Welcome to this brand new episode of the Marketing Technology Podcast. This podcast is hosted by Mark van Horek and myself, Elias Krum, and brought to you by Marketing Guys, the MarTech agency based out of the Netherlands. Welcome to this new episode of the Marketing Technology Podcast. Today I have Maddie with me. She is the VP of Marketing at Smith AI, or the website is called smith.ai. Maddie Martin, welcome to the Marketing Technology Podcast. <laughs> Thanks, Elias. So nice to be here. Good, good. It's it's good to have um, someone here that has actual experience in growing a business, actual experience in um, funnel marketing, because that's something we're going to talk about, how to get more out of your marketing funnel. But before we dive into that, could you share a little bit uh, more about your background, background with the audience, um, and maybe um, you could explain what Smith AI actually is to the listeners that don't already know that. Absolutely, I'd be happy to. So, yeah, I have quite a bit of experience in uh, in helping to grow businesses. This is the third startup now working at Smith AI that I have led the marketing team for as the sort of inaugural marketing hire. So uh, when you come into a startup as the as the head of marketing, it's often a team of one, and then you slowly but maturely build a team around you. So I've had that experience and the pleasure of doing that now three times. Uh, first at Food52, which is a phenomenal online food community and and shop. Um, I'm sure many of you have have experienced it. If you haven't, go check it out. Um, And then I went to Your Mechanic, which was basically the Uber for car repair. And we had a B2C and B2B operations there where I led marketing and community and content, helping to build the largest uh, car repair advice site on the internet. And um, then I came to Smith AI, and I have been involved here now for over four years, developing the marketing team, the affiliate programs, the events and trade show program, a lot of the content, and uh, a deep community with our uh, industries that we serve, mostly service-driven businesses in uh, the legal space, finance, IT, marketing uh, agencies themselves, and developing a program where we're really identifying and helping businesses identify ways to uh, improve the responsiveness and how that impacts growth for a business. So we talk a lot about um, sort of communications and conversations that convert. Cool. The experience you you build up there is um, over pretty some, I would say, diverse industries. So you have lots of experience in in, in B2B, um, maybe a little B2C, geared towards B2C as well. Um, What what have been your key learning points over the years? Because you have started um, marketing departments from zero. Uh, What what, what were your key, let's say, learning points or maybe things that struck your attention while while starting up those those, uh, departments? So I think the common theme uh, for me is really starting at the ground level and talking to the audience directly and hearing it, you know, firsthand. So when I was at Food 52, I started out as a writer, actually, and highlighting the cooks in the community who are home cooks, you know, creating incredible recipes and, and featuring them and getting to really engage with 
that that community one-on-one -on -one. and then um, you know testing the recipes and seeing what incredible things they were capable of making and sharing those with the rest of the community. And then at Your Mechanic, I was in charge of outfitting the new mechanics and uh, making sure that we were effectively communicating what our customers were most happy with when it came to getting car repair at your home or office rather than having to sit at the car repair shop. Um, and the transparency and the lower pricing that that brought and all of those good things. So again, very, very hands-on uh, with our target audience, both on the sort of supply and demand sides. Mm -hmm. And then at Smith AI, you know, going to a lot of trade shows and directly standing at a booth and shaking hands and speaking on stage and talking to people afterwards, you really get a very good sense of the pulse of your audience, again, both on the demand and the supply side. So I would say that, you know, if you're not in touch with the sort of inner workings, inner motivations, and, um, and, and core foundation of the clientele and of the supply side of your business, um, you know, then it's very hard to do marketing effectively. It's, it's great to have that experience, you know, both on the B2C and, and the B2B side, because um, I think and what, what I hear from a lot of guests that are in B2B, um, that B2B is slowly or maybe in some, some, some cases uh, fastly going to a more B2C uh, geared approach. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, yes. I think, I think that's very beneficial to have some B2C experience there. Um, today, we're going to talk about funnel marketing, how to get more uh, out of your marketing dollar that you spend on funnel marketing. Um, talking about funnel marketing, what, 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 what would, what would be your definition on, on that? Well, talking about the marketing funnel itself, I, I would say that it really starts out with, you know, identifying how you would define a, a prospect and a lead all the way down to a qualified lead, uh, where the engagement turns into a proper conversation, maybe it's a demo or a consultation or an assessment. And, uh, and if there are different sort of strings attached at certain parts of the funnel, all the way down to the proposal or invoice and signature and new client. So there may be uh, quite a period of time there, or it might be very fast, but there's always this sort of initial contact, some form of screening, sometimes on both sides, both the potential customer or client and then the business themselves. Um, and then the, the period where there's a, a commitment and following through on that commitment uh, to become a client. Where, where do listeners start when they want to build a marketing funnel? So it really has to start at identifying the stages and the um, conversion rates uh, within those different stages. So one of the main things that we see is that there is a, a lot of emphasis put on uh, awareness and exposure at the top of the funnel, and then um, understanding you know, what, it is, what is needed to close a new client, but it's often not broken down into each individual step where the conversion rate is well understood uh, from point A to point B, point B to point C, and, and where there is a loss in return on investment at that stage, where there could be an optimization, and where often there is a lot of variability. So that might be based on the channel, on the campaign, on the audience, on the individual who is a sales executive or onboarding person. Um, it's, it's really critical that 
that marketing funnel is as system driven as possible with a well-trained team who behaves predictably and consistently every time. I'm a very practical guy. So um, I'm trying to visualize this, uh, what you're saying. So, so top of funnel, we would have website visitors. And in uh, your B2B case, a next step or a, the next step in the funnel could be them going to a specific landing page. Uh, on that landing page, the next step could, step could be the fill out of a form or a download uh, and then the next step uh, and so on. Um, if you want to measure those conversion rates, how do you actually do that? Because in practice, it all seems, or, or in theory, I have to say, it all seems logical. But for our listeners, how do people start visualizing this? How do they start measuring those conversion rates? What kind of tools do you use, for example? Yeah, well, one of the most important things is setting up the definitions very clearly early on so that you can tie whatever tools and data points, whatever sort of, uh, you know, information you can carry through that funnel. Uh, so it's it's really using the same language. So, you know, you might use uh, UTM parameters or pixels to determine where the original source of that lead was and then um, you know, who is actually moving through to that demo or download or sales conversation and then into a new client. What we use are, you know, a combination of the tools available based on the platform where you're uh, reaching your audience and making sure that we have that same term coming across all channels. So for example, if we are defining uh, sort of email as a, as a channel, are we in Salesforce uh, marking email as, as one of the sort of conversion uh, points uh, to bring in those new leads? Do we have Facebook? Do we have Twitter? Do we have affiliates well-defined and then by name? There's a lot of sort of systematic setup that can be done to make sure that you have the option to select and tag that person wherever they are in whatever system for example, we use we use Salesforce at Smith AI, and what we want to know is not just you know, well, did that salesperson ask the right questions about how they heard about us? You know, often people are very unreliable. They're not thinking about the webinar that they first saw a year ago. They're thinking about that ad or mm -hmm. that friend that they talked to, and as a result, they're going to tell you one thing, but that might not be the source of truth. So you really have to use data and you have to use that human conversation if that's part of your sales funnel to capture all of the available information, have a place to put it, have a process where if there are humans involved, they have to check that box and, and, and meet that step where they are logging that information, um, ideally doing that in an automated way as possible, and then being able to go back and look um, historically at that funnel, which are the campaigns, the audiences, and the channels that brought in the best leads, the best clients, and how do you then go back to the top of the funnel and spend budget on those best performing channels? So in, what you're saying here is in order to register all the right uh, lead sources and also make be, be aware of the conversion rates, you need to start using UTM if you're not already doing so. Um, I'm almost surprised to hear how uh, a lot of marketers are not using UTM tagging. They're all into 
marketing automation. They have all kinds of tooling, but in the, the basics are not there in UTM tagging. Um, you know, to our listeners on marketingguys.com, we have a UTM uh, kit in which it's it's basically explained in a guide. It's a free download. You can get it there. It's 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 a very simple piece that explains how to use UTM. But in in practice, it allows you to visualize your ROI on on your spend. For example, what you're saying uh, here is that if you're using a channel like email, but maybe even more important, if you're doing paid social campaigns or paid Google campaigns. And you want to know if your conversions that you have on the website are are the right conversions. Are they moving through that funnel? You need to be using UTM because in in our practice, we've, for example, seen that a lot of downloads, a lot of top of funnel leads can be generated through Facebook ads, where we, on the other hand, see that they hardly ever convert to bottom of funnel leads. So they're all top of funnel leads that stick to the top of the funnel and never, let's say, go through the funnel. Whereas LinkedIn ads have shown to be very, um, very fast in moving towards the bottom of the funnel. So those kinds of conclusions you can only, let's say, draw when you're using UTM tagging. And of course, we're using marketing automation, et cetera, but without that UTM tag, which is a, a, a basic thing in my opinion, but um, without that, you wouldn't be able to 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 measure anything. Yeah, and I mean, so that that raises a lot of sort of uh, thoughts for me. One is that Facebook historically is extremely challenging for um, you know any sort of business related targeting. It's it's not only inconsistent in like what parameters are available to you, but um, it's also uh, extremely challenging to make sure that you're actually reaching an audience uh, who's doing what they're say- what they say they're doing. You know, if they say that they're a business owner in this day and age, that could mean a uh, you know creative dabbler in making dog collars or something, right? Uh, it could mean a freelancer who has a full time job that's got nothing to do with whatever it is you're selling to them. So um, the the challenge is like the self identification and using that for audience targeting is really unreliable. Often much better to think about what are the behaviors, what are the likes that are corollaries to um, people who would uh, be a good potential fit for your business. So what I mean is for Smith AI, for example, we know that if you're using a CRM, if you're using an online calendaring tool, if you're looking at online billing solutions and payments, uh, if you're even looking at uh, various searches for um, how to how to use Zapier for your business, for example, you're mm-hmm. you're a bit tech savvy. Then that means that you might be a really strong potential client for a virtual receptionist web chat service. Um, and and those are some of the indicators that we can use to better get at well, who is that person based on what do they like and what else are they interested in, which is often more reliable than how they identify their profession or their career. Whereas on LinkedIn, it's often the opposite where, you know, they are um, identifying their career, their career progression, their education, and that gives you a much better sense of, of how to target them based on demographics alone. Absolutely. Absolutely. Is there, um, when, when you're visualizing that, ROI on your funnel? Is there a tool that you're using? Are you visualizing it in some kind of way to like on a, on a real-time basis? 
Yeah, I mean, we have a powerful tool within Salesforce, and we also have internal tools that our wonderful engineering team has, has built for us. But honestly, the Salesforce is extremely powerful. Uh, we do leverage other tools that give us a sense of how much activity is going to be coming in. Uh, for example, we did a lot of research on social tools and we selected Sprout Social as by far the most you know, powerful um, social listening and activity and monitoring tool that we believe is on the market for the best price. And, and that allows us to say, okay, well, what sort of um, activity is potentially going to be coming into that marketing funnel based on where we see the most conversation pre-funnel, the most uh, sort of interest in the topics that we're interested in, that we're going to be pursuing, and then how is that going to bring in more business uh, that we would monitor in Salesforce. And we have a team of sales development representatives, we have a team of sales executives, uh, partnerships team. So there are different visualizations based on, is it direct client business or is it also um, affiliate or reseller business that would have a, a, a bit of a different funnel? Okay, okay. I, I want to know more about that Sprout Social, let's say, choice, because um, we had a little chat before this podcast, but you explained to me that you have had some kind of extensive evaluation for uh, finding the right social tool. Could you share some of your findings there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we had this sort of fantasy, I guess, that we would be able to better monitor the Facebook groups and other groups that we're in because we have so much activity and, and new clients coming through that community engagement that we devote a lot of time and attention to. But what that led to is actually sort of almost a dismissal of the, uh, the Facebook group uh, fantasy that we were going to get a peek into that because Facebook doesn't really provision for that yet. Um, but then looking at the other things that were really important to us. And I think that's also important when you're evaluating any marketing tool, like are your expectations reasonable? Um, there is a company I think called Grouply that uh, is doing some Facebook group uh, sort of, uh, you know, sort of data analytics and, uh, and uh, recommendations for ones that you should engage in. But we realized, you know, one of the items of criteria that we had in our list was unreasonable. So we thought, okay, let's go back to the drawing board. What are the other like nine out of the 10 uh, criteria that we can really focus on within reason? So, you know, we looked at all the different channels. We looked at how can we monitor the work that's being done by perhaps a marketing assistant uh, or someone who is not an executive that needs a bit of oversight. Uh, we looked at the scheduling and planning and the social listening tools. So how proactively can you get involved in topics that relate to your business? Also, are you able to follow and celebrate the um, business that your clients or customers are doing? Do you need to pay attention to them? And then other various groups of influence that I might personally be involved in or my team. And then uh, as a company, how are we also engaged in those conversations? So when you are doing social media, you want to make sure that obviously the messaging fits with the platform, but how are you participating in the trending topics uh, that might differ among platforms um, and then using the proper social handle or is there triage between sales support and marketing? Uh, there's just a lot of different factors at play. So we wanted to make sure that um, the, the sort of the criteria was met 
and that we were being very careful about what was our criteria and what was just a feature set. I think it's very easy to look at the comparisons online and think, wow, you know, there's a hundred different features that this company lists, but do you actually care about those? Like which of those is most important to you? Don't let the company tell you what's important to you. You have to know first going in what your goals are and then aligning that, you know, uh, feature set with your criteria and then you can really make a good decision. So we found that for the, for the value uh, in terms of the information, how rich it was, how proactive we could be part of conversations that we weren't already in, um, Sprout Social really just hit it out of the park. So you spent quite some time on selecting that the right, the right system for you as a, as a mm-hmm. company. Um, does that mean that social is a big channel for you? It it is a very big channel for us, um, and it really has a lot to do with being in a service business and there being a strong emphasis on social proof and people checking multiple channels when they are evaluating hiring a service provider. So whether that's a a marketing agency or MSP or or even honestly, you know, the software as a service model, like um, Smith AI is both software and service, it's product, it's people. Uh, because we have live receptionists that are backed by this AI technology we've developed. So mm-hmm. what happens is when one of our potential clients is talking to a friend or they hear a podcast or they're at an event, uh, they come across a blog post, whatever it is, they go and check and do their due diligence um, to see if that company is really someone worth pursuing And they'll go on the review sites, they'll go to social media, which is becoming a recommendation engine already. And, um, you know, we find that especially in the Facebook groups for professionals, there are a lot of recommendations that are happening there. So if someone, for example, is in a Facebook group and they are recommended Smith AI, they're not necessarily going to go off to Google uh, to research Smith AI. They may mm-hmm. and they probably will, but they'll also search on Facebook for that business or click on the on the linked brand. And then they'll see immediately that social feed. So it's important that if you if you consider social as recommendation engines now, uh, that profile and that activity becomes very important. Talking about that social proof, when I visit your website, smith.ai, I immediately see three, I think, um, review websites or review platforms that you point out, Um, Mm -hmm. Trustpilot, Captera, and um, Clutch. Mm -hmm. Um, This must be a big part of your uh, marketing. You explained that, of course, uh, social proof is very important in a a business like yours. How do you actually, uh, let's say, emphasize on getting the right reviews? Is that something you have a marketing program or is is that something that is naturally growing or do you have a specific uh, strategy on reviews? Oh, absolutely. That's one of our strongest programs. Uh, And we have that very systematized. So one of the things that I'll say, you know, why is it so important, you know, first off? Well, the review sites are among the best at SEO. And if you haven't discovered already that when you put in your top search term, for example, if I type in virtual receptionist or virtual receptionist reviews, 
into Google, I will find Clutch and those other sites among the first page and results, if not the number one organic result. Mm -hmm. So if you can't beat them, join them, right? And you want to make sure that you are um, of the of the best sort of ranking and presence on those sites that you possibly can be within reason within the service that you're delivering, honestly. So obviously a lot of these sites also offer sponsored listings and you can get into that if you choose. We certainly do for some of them um, where we know that there's value there and showing up uh, on, you know, high up on the list on a site that is going to rank number one in an organic search for a term you know your clients come through that just makes complete sense. Now, often they're very affordable. Um, so even if you're not paying for that advertising spot up at the top of search, but you're paying for a, a sponsored listing on Clutch, for example, that can be a very affordable, lucrative way to, to bring in those clients that doesn't have the variability of a PPC campaign um, or the cost of it potentially. So, you know, it could be one or both strategies there. Now, when it comes to our own methodology for how we, how we get reviews, we are constantly um, celebrating the, the praise that our clients uh, share with us. And we have a lot of activity with our clients. You can imagine as a receptionist and chat service, we're in touch with our clients all the time. You know, they will ask us to make an outbound call. They will, uh, you know, give us feedback on the calls that we're handling for them. Um, not like you have to manage a direct receptionist who might work in your office, but there's a fair amount of activity. You know, we're, we're in touch with our and in tune with our businesses. So if they reply and say, wow, great job on that call, or thank you so much, I just want a new client, you know, we're very happy to see that. And an immediate response is often, you know, we would love for you to share uh, this great experience on, you know, a variety of these sites that we keep uh, a list of where we're, where we're looking to make sure that there is a, an even and up-to-date uh, presence of Smith AI and our clients' recommendations for us. So making sure that we're not neglecting any review site that's important, that the reviews are current uh, and relevant to uh, obviously the rest of our audience. And most of the time, the clients are happy to oblige. And obviously, we make that opportunity available, you know, wholesale to our clients and invite them probably, you know, regularly throughout the, the period of the year. Um, you know, if we have a, a trust pilot page, for example, we would send all of our clients an opportunity to review us there. You can do that, um, but we prefer to say like, how are we also in the moment in tune with the opportunities that are present? Because if you send a review request and it's not timely, your likelihood of being successful with capturing a new review is, is a lot lower. I love that advice on those review websites because the, the two things that I take from your story are that that uh, people that are companies that are not using them yet should really start using them and get the, make sure they have a strategy on it. But the second one that you earlier mentioned is that um, if you can't uh, beat them, join them, uh, look mm -hmm. on your search terms and you'll find that these review websites are amongst the, the, the first 10 search results within Google. Um, and you need to be on those. Uh, and if it's very hard for some keywords and everyone knows this, even if you're a SEO guru, you know, it's hard to be on the, on the first page of Google if you haven't had the authority yet or whatsoever. And 
you can get some quick results by um, being on those review websites. Love that, love that advice. Um, talking about your Martech stack, we have dived into this now a little. Um, you, the, the things that you're using. Um, when I'm visiting your website, I also see a um, chat popping up. Is that a chatbot or is that a live chat? And, and why did you choose for one or the other? Well, that's a live chat, and that's actually our live chat. So uh -huh. if you chat in, uh, you'll you'll see that you get a, a response from one of our live chat agents who work twenty four seven in English and Spanish, and mm -hmm. they are uh, you know working for Smith AI just the way that we work for the you know, thousands of businesses that we serve. And we have the opportunity, I think, really uniquely to apply this fantastic talent and technology that we have to uh, to the phone lines, to to websites, to text messaging, and to Facebook Messenger as well. Um, some in-app development that we've worked on, um, even beyond that. So. Chat is absolutely critical for a number of reasons, especially at a time when we're, you know, sort of getting through this COVID period. Um, there is a real emphasis on silent and discreet uh, asynchronous communication. So what happens is, you know, when you are taking care of children at home or elderly parents or uh, your work uh, throughout the day, your your day ends up extending quite a bit. Um, so we're seeing more businesses getting uh, sort of connected to after hours or on the weekends or early morning because that's the time when they're not also playing school teacher in addition to doing their work. Um, but then imagine, you know, if everyone is at home and a law firm is a great example, you know, you, the one spouse wants a divorce, you're not going to be overheard on the phone while both, you know, parents are working from home, you probably want to chat or text in to have a silent, discreet conversation. And there's some topics that are uncomfortable for people. Sometimes you're just multitasking and you've got a tab open in your browser. Then while you're doing one thing or sitting in a meeting, you can also start investigating, do you want a demo of a certain software or service, it's a great way to have a conversation um, alongside other other work or distractions that might be happening. Absolutely. And, and I'm fully with you there because I've been there, you know, <laughs> taking care of the kids or doing some other stuff while, while asking some kind of sales or service question. Um, the nice thing here is that usually on the MarTech podcast, um, we have people from uh, let's say a technical background in in any any kind of way, but we we had people from Drift, for example, talking about chatbots. Mm -hmm. um, you, of course, are talking about a live chat. What's mm -hmm. your opinion on chatbots? Well, we have a chatbot as well. I mean, we have a technology that, that actually can stand alone. What we don't do is a self service platform. So we mm -hmm. have really taken a stance that either the chatbot operates on its own and there is a playbook, a sequence, so to speak, for that conversation that you can program customized to your business needs that screens and captures clients and directs them to the right way to schedule a consultation or to make a payment or to get an answer. Um, or you have the live staffed chat that leverages the technology for speed and efficiency and accuracy, but you have that human element for compassion and understanding and a bit of the nuance that the chatbots really are, are not totally well equipped to provide, especially when it comes to 
um, you know, high value clients who expect a, a customized answer and not just to be stuck, so to speak, sometimes in a, in a workflow uh, from one of the chatbots. So the chatbot that we have is actually free to use um, on a limited basis, but totally 24-7 and unlimited conversations. Just the number of customizations and the length of the sort of um, a program that you can create is limited in that free version. But we do have extensions that are, I mean, for $50 a month, and, you know, $100 a month, you're able to get a really powerful chatbot that um, has no extra user cost to it. So I think, you know, one of the biggest challenges with some of the self-service platforms on chat is that, and this is the way with a lot of SaaS, is that as your use of it expands, uh, so do your costs. And uh, there's not necessarily more business coming through that platform. There's just more use. So what we've done is say, look to, to have unlimited uh, sort of programming capabilities, to have unlimited knowledge base. You pay a flat rate per month of $50 each, and then you know you're, it's off to the races. On the live chat side, you're only paying for relevant chats. So if there's a sales or spam or sort of, um, you know, incorrect chat for your business, someone doesn't want to give your their contact information, that's never charged. And the, the live chat enables a conversation that's not limited in any way, mm -hmm. um, having a, a per chat price rather than a per user or per seat price means that when we think back to that marketing funnel, and this is the way that Smith AI works on the phone side too, we charge per call, not per minute, it's much easier to calcul calculate the ROI of your campaigns. So what I mean is if you pay per click and then you pay per minute, and then you have a client worth a certain value, it's very hard to understand, uh -huh. well, what did all those minutes add up to in terms of like how that contributed to the, to the marketing funnel moving forward or not, versus if you have a click and then you have a chat or you have a call and how many of those chats or calls as a unit move forward into clients, your marketing funnel is a lot clearer. There's a lot less mess to sort of sort through, which any marketing leader will be nodding their head at. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. and, and then you have less work to get to the truth and to take action on that truth. And to me, as someone who's led you know, multiple marketing teams, I want the access to the best data that's actionable as soon as I can with the least amount of headache possible. And that's what we deliver. Oh, and that's, that's, um, that's some uh, great advice that you're giving there and some great insights. Um, the thing that I lastly would like to, to hear from you because you're, you're the VP of marketing at Smith, uh, Smith AI. Um, you have a, pretty extensive uh, uh, marketing stack. You have uh, quite some stuff running on your website. If there would be one a tool or maybe technique that you would like to point out to our listeners, what would that be? What, what would be a successful or something, maybe a, um, a, a technique that you have run into that you would like to share as an insight with our listeners to conclude this session with? Oh, just one. <laughs> just one. Uh, yeah, well, we're, we're going to stick to one because I know uh, we'll have you back on the podcast uh, later on. But for now, we'll have to stick with one. 
Okay. Well, I, I would say, honestly, that Front is an incredible tool and it is a collaborative communication tool that is able to display information from Salesforce, from our server directly, to have a, a conversation with teammates before responding to an email um, when you have proposals, when you have clients, when you have sales or support inquiries, it's really helpful to have that collaboration right there and to be able to have a permanent link back to conversations that would otherwise operate within an inbox. It is just an unbeatable tool when it comes to facilitating uh, virtual remote collaboration because Smith AI is a completely virtual team. Um, I can't imagine having a, a company run so efficiently without it. Okay, thank you very much for that that uh, tip and insight on uh, on um, let's say a technique or a tool that people can use, start using, or trying out if they if they don't uh, do so already. Um, as a um, uh, let's say as a as an end of this uh, session, um, should there be people that want to reach out to you, or maybe if they would like to try try out Smith uh, AI, um, is there a way for them to reach you or a way for them to, to um, let's say, try out the service? Absolutely. So if you visit smith.ai, you will see options to get started right away and we can onboard a new client with a 14-day money-back guarantee within uh, as little as a few hours or more extensive setups, maybe a, a day or you can schedule a 30 minute free consultation with our team so we can best align our receptionists and our chat agents or even the chat bot with your business goals. Um, and you will also, anyone listening, will get $100 off their first month of service of, of both uh, calls and chats with the code MARKETINGGUYS. So um, please take advantage of that. If you'd like to email us, you can absolutely email us at hello at smith.ai, or you can chat with us live on our website or give us a call and talk to one of our receptionists and see the experience for yourself. Okie doke. So what I'll do is I'll put those links and that code in the show notes, of course. Um, I'll also add a link to your LinkedIn profile um, so people uh, can connect. You know, if you if you connect to uh, to Maddie, just let her know you've heard of, from her about uh, in, in the podcast. Please. Um, so so she, she knows that uh, where, where that connection request is coming from because we get connection requests all the day. Um, yeah, and people can can reach you there. So it, it was a pleasure having you here, uh, Maddie, and I'm looking forward to having you back in probably a couple of months to hear how you're doing, how you're, because you're relatively new to the VP of marketing position. So I, I'm curious to hear more about your experiences in a couple of months. Wonderful. Thank you so much. I look forward to it. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Marketing Technology Podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform or iTunes. Also, if you want to be a guest or know someone that should be a guest to our show, shoot me an email on e.crum at marketingguys.nl. Thank you for listening.